What's going on everybody? Nighttide here with the Noob Dungeon Master Vlog Series. That's officially what we're going to call this until we don't anymore. Oh, God, I need a haircut. Anyway, happy quarantine. So this week, this week we had some interesting things happen. We had our party engage with the Red Brands for the first time and found out what it was like, as did I, to start a scuttlebutt in the center of town. The cool thing that I'm learning as a DM is how much improv, and I know that all the DM videos say improv, improv, improv. You know, you can prep so much, but then improv, improv, improv. And it was cool to me to finally experience that firsthand where I basically said, okay, well, what would happen in this town if you're on the edge of town in a hot spot of, of some miscreants and they fight with you? You know, there's going to be townspeople around they're going to see. It's not quite super late, and this is a mining town, so there's always people coming in and out and moving about. And even if they're kind of staying away from this side of town, if they see that there's an altercation happening, a, a good old-fashioned Western standoff, you know, they're going to come running and they're going to come see. And if that happens, and this is the group that is kind of controlling the main flow of town as the Red Brands are, it's going to attract the attention of people. And so it was this really quick decision-making for me to say, well, do I let them just go on and take on the manor? And I was like, no, you know what? Realistically, I think the town master would come and have a talk with them. And I think that that's a good idea for them to meet him. It also allowed me a chance to have them talk with Sildar before they went in, because one of the main things that I wanted to do, hopefully before they went to the manor, and this was something that I did have in the back of my mind, was is there a way that I can incorporate Sildar either into the fight or after the fight to have him help kind of bring this quest for his friend Yarno into play? Because I thought that it was a cool quest line as they've had more than a few interactions with Sildar now. I ended up using the Townmaster on the fly and then bringing them back to the Townmaster's Hall and having all those conversations with Sildar. The, the cool thing about all of that in, in the, again, the lessons learned I had from all of this stuff as I look back on it is more about how as you get better at understanding a place, and I took some time over the past few weeks as I've been prepping to prep NPCs and to prep buildings and to prep the town. And as I'm reading the module, I get a feel for how this town is supposed to be, what the politics of the town are, who likes who, who doesn't like who, who respects who. How do these people really feel affected by this presence of, of the Red Brands in their lives? And it gives me the ability to make anything up that I want on the fly. Most of you senior dungeon masters out there, you're probably like, yes, yes, I know. That's part of your job. Congratulations, you're figuring it out. But for me, this is like a big deal because when I look at a module and you say, man, like I look at... Again, I bring this up, right? I have the module. I'm like, there's pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff in here. And this was actually a very thin module comparatively, but there's pages of stuff for you to do and quests to set up and XP to give and all this stuff, but that doesn't substitute your creativity and it doesn't substitute your, it doesn't hamstring your ability to tell the story the way that you want to tell it or the way you, you feel you should tell it. Because all it's doing is giving you those A, B, C, D breadcrumbs. And whereas you could absolutely follow this to the T, 
and run the campaign just fine and just have the story be you guys going through these ABCD points, I want to take it to a deeper level where we're actually getting to a place where I can say, hey, we're, no, you're going to get to meet Harbin and he's this guy that is afraid for his town more so than anything else. And he knows that people are let down by him and his performance as the town master because he's not dealing with this problem, but he thinks that he's doing the town a service by keeping them safe and agreeing to let these people be here because on his own, he's a fat old dude that doesn't have the means or the capability or the resources to expunge them from town. So even where he's met with the presence of our group of adventurers to do that, he still isn't quite sure that they're going to have the chops to pull it off. It's easy enough for us to take a look at these dynamics and how these people really live and how they feel and how they're affected by what's going on and start to shape that world for the players a bit more. It was a really cool experience for me. And again, this whole idea that now that I'm getting comfortable with the town and now that I'm getting comfortable with people and places and NPCs and I have more time to just let that marinate in my head, that it's cool that I can tell this story the way that I want to tell it and that it's unique and it's interesting. A couple of things that I wasn't expecting were my players to take the tiniest little breadcrumb I gave them in episode one or in session one about, uh, I believe his name is Darren Adermath, who runs Adermath Orchard, who's this old adventurer guy. And one of my party members was like super hardcore on going and talking to this guy. To me, he had nothing really to offer the party. And I was like, why are we going and doing this? But it was funny that it was something that they pulled on the string and that conversation actually ended up being a fairly solid conversation. And, and the players reacted to that character with a lot more sincerity and deference than I thought they were going to. Also, Cat. This is Cat. He wants to say hi. And... I was not ready for them to have that conversation. And it just came to show that I was like, oh, uh, I had this description of, of his cottage where I said, oh, he has these ornate ruins on the door. And one of my party members goes, oh, I can read Elvish. What does it say? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it says. And I had to make something terrible up. And it was like one of those moments where it just goes to show you again, you think you have everything ready. You think you're making this cool description and, and saying, oh yeah, you know, it's this really nice thing. And there's elven runes carved on there. Well, what do they say? Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of, I kind of walked into that one. Uh, I also was able to weave some backstory of one of my players. And so one of my players had, had uh, been developing their backstory as we've been going through the process, Bamir. And he provided this to me between session two and three, and I had a chance to look at it. And it was kind of all too interesting that again, it, and, and this is one of the things that I love about D&D being new to it, but I also love about being a dungeon master experiencing it, is my players now have created this this inherent plot point or hook where Leif is aligned with the Zentarum and now Bamir is kind of aligned with the Harpers who are basically the 
Assassin's Creed of D&D to me, where the Zentarm is the Templars and the Harpers are the Assassins. And we have this, this kind of internal feud that is possible because they've chosen to align their backstory with these factions. And similarly to how I was like, oh, well, the party can get free room and board because he, uh, uh, Leif has the, the faction, uh, the faction ability to where, you know, he just kind of gets taken care of. Whereas now Bamir has this whole backstory where he's trying to find his dad and his dad was a harper. So there's all this potential for where that can go later on as these characters continue to develop. And there's so many ways that we can approach that that are just going to make things super interesting. So I don't know. There's, there's so many cool things about when you look at your character's backstory, when you're looking at how these NPCs evolve in this town and how they might react. My group wanted to try and find a healing potion in town. And I'm like, look, there's no healing. Like I'm looking on my, I'm like, I don't see anybody selling healing potions. Sorry guys. There's not a really a healer in town here. You, you're kind of on your own. And this, this is what I'm thinking in the moment. And of course, one of them goes, well, let's go to, let's go to the, the place Barthens. And then, you know, one of the players again goes, oh, well, there's a shrine nearby. Maybe somebody will have a healing potion at a shrine because it's, you know, it's some kind of deity. Maybe they'll have some potions or something. And I was like, yeah, that, that actually makes sense. <laughs> like, okay, good on you. And, and then of course I look at the loot for one of the quests that the NPC at the shrine has, and it's a health potion. That person also assigned, uh, is able to, or is aligned with the Harpers and kind of get that ball rolling on that faction. Also give us a leg up because I was kind of concerned about them going into this dungeon, despite the fact that they did really well with Kragmaw Hideout. They're also doing extremely well with the cave. It's dice luck be on their side. They have been thus far doing pretty well in the cave. It's cool to me to see how they are are kind of evolving as players. The last thing that I kind of want to talk about this week is that apparently it's a thing, it's a trope for party members to pick up NPCs and want to take them along with them as part of the adventure. Well, it just so happens that the party has done such a thing and it is the first time it has happened to me on my first campaign. So apparently this happens all the time. And I'm all too happy to let it happen because it's hilarious and amazing and really good character development for one of my characters. And I am very much subscribing to the rule of cool factor when it comes to the game. One of my characters uh, is Ashin is a someone that hates goblins. Like they're they're his his you know main go to enemy. Hates them. Can't stand them. Everything. And we get into. Trust in her manner. We're going through this, this room and they take out a pack of bugbears or a room of three bugbears. And there's a goblin that these bugbears have been bullying. Now this goblin to the story really is nothing more than just somebody that has a lot of information about the, the dungeon layout and potentially a pathway to Cragmore castle to, you know, continue to move this stuff along and all this stuff is not spoilers as long as you've already seen the episode. And if you haven't seen the episode, you should totally go check it out here-ish somewhere. So they kill this room or they clear this room full of bugbears. And there's this goblin that's left there on the floor. And out of nowhere, I kind of come up with, 
obviously this creature's pathetic, right? And and how I end up telling the story about this creature really must have tugged at the heartstrings of my players because not only did they not just immediately want to kill him, not only did they want to interrogate him, they then started to care for him compassionately. You say, hey, we're a party that has a generally good alignment. Hopefully you're going to do right by these things. They really took a liking to this little goblin and really felt for him because I described him as basically being a, a shell of a being. He's so beaten. He's so broken. He's so demoralized that he literally is just fearing for his life out of reflex. It's not even a fact of, of him wanting to live because he has to go somewhere or do something. He literally is just instinctually breathing at this point. And they were like, Oh, and one of my characters gives him an apple. I think I described it as if like giving Dobby a sock. Oh, master, he's given Dobby clothes. But that's how I feel that, that this character would be. And if he was, could get over his fear of the party, the game does say to make him like fervently want to help them because he's sick and tired of being, you know, getting his, getting his butt kicked. But at the same time, it's, it's this like desire of like, oh, like these people are nice. And then you guys were strong enough to kill these guys and oh, you killed the thing out there. And oh, like, can I come with you? Are you going to keep me safe? Because you just fed me and beat the crap out of everything that's been harassing me for the past, who knows how long. And yeah. And of course the, the person that seems to be warming up to him the most unexpectedly, my player, Ashin, and, and, for someone that can't stand goblins, the fact that he's like kind of taken this goblin under his wing and and seems to be taking pity on this creature and wants to help him and it is it's very out of character for his character, but it demonstrates this character growth, this little kernel of character growth. And we didn't talk about this character at all going into this session. So I know that all of this is happening organically in real time and, and is these decisions that these players are making on the fly. And it's just so exciting to me as a DM to see how your players will surprise you. Again, this is all new for me, guys. Like I, I've never run a campaign before. I've barely played D&D before. I've listened to a good bit of it. I've watched some now, but it's all very new. So for me, this stuff is exciting and is endearing and is wonderful. And I just can't wait to play the next session because my goodness, I just want to DM more D and D. So yeah, I'm excited. I, I want to play more. I want to see what my characters do next. So if I had to summarize the takeaways one, it's getting so much easier to just be comfortable in the story and to be comfortable with, with ad libbing and, and, uh, improving as we go with the story and just really letting it see where the players take it. Plus a little bit of direction from me versus, you know, me just feeling like I have to run a module now. And that's a very freeing, exciting experience. And on top of that, it's really nice to see how my players are interacting with the world because they are interacting with the world, which I guess means I'm doing a good enough job of making them care about it to where they want to continue to interact with it and characters even bring one along with them. So that's going to do it for this vlog. I hope you guys enjoy my insights into the sessions and how this stuff is going along. Uh, if you'd like to see more Dungeon Knights, please come by and stop by the channel, twitch.tv slash nighttide. That is my channel on Twitch uh, right around 10 or 11 p.m. Eastern. We start variably. 
uh, on Saturday nights. And then you can always catch more videos on the channel throughout the week. I'm working on getting myself an upload schedule. So hopefully we have, you know, videos. I'm hoping like Wednesday and Friday have the, the session before come out on Wednesday and then the uh, vlog come out on Friday before the next video. If you guys have an opinion on that, let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear it. If you guys want to see that sooner or a different cadence, I mean, I'll take input. I'm, I'm not shy about it. I uh, do make sure to join our discord, follow me on Twitter, follow Dungeon Knights on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye, everybody.